It's good to see each and every one of you this morning as we've come to gather ourselves together to to worship and praise our holy God. Of course, we've we've, uh, sang to him with our with our bodies, our voices, in hope and in praise to him, and hope he accepts our our praise to him through our singing and also through our prayers to him. And uh the three in one God. I uh and I hope everyone is is doing all right and and um uh, I want to thank this church for their great love and hospitality and um uh, and, and your your love and fellowship with one another as we strive to fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I've uh, come over here to the sixth chapter of a Matthew, <clears throat> and uh, and this is where Jesus introduces uh, his prayer. Uh, it's, I call it the model prayer that he gives us. We don't have to exactly pray exactly like this, but he gives us an example of the different phases of, uh, of the subject matter, the content in the prayer, which I want to discuss part of one of the uh, subject matters here in this prayer. <clears throat> anyway, he told uh, his disciples, well, he was telling the people serving on the mount, it says, after this manner, therefore, and this is the ninth verse of the sixth chapter. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name is holy, isn't it? It's to be hallowed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So part of this is where I want to go this morning. And part of this where it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. Deliver Over the past few years, a lot of things has been occurring in our lives, especially we as Americans in this country. And we've had a mind, or at least I can speak for myself here, I've had a mind of asking God for deliverance, to deliver. What does deliver mean? Well, one of the definitions in in the, the dictionary is to set free. Well, if we're going to ask for deliverance, that means we're asking to be set free from something. Are we captured? Well, in a way, you might think, might say that we're captured by something or someone or some ideology. There's something that's, that's gotten a hold of us and we need to be set free of it, or we need to be delivered from it. Um, I'm going to go over here to uh, to Luke. I think it's in the fourth chapter. 
here Jesus, he goes to the temple, uh, and uh, he goes in there, walks in, he picks up the book of Isaiah, talks from the, 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 uh, the scriptures of Isaiah. Isaiah is, is the Greek for Isaiah. 17th verse of the fourth chapter of Luke. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But here again, he brings in the word deliverance, to deliver. Deliverance, preach deliverance to the captives. What did he mean for, uh, for he or his disciples to go and preach to those that are in the, actual, the literal prison? No. He meant it to mean to preach to those of us who are captive. Well, how are we captive? What do we need to be set free from? Well, for one, I can tell you, we need to be set free from the law of sin and death. We're captive of, and in the, in the Bible here in Romans, even the Pope Paul said that we are slaves to sin. We're captive to sin. Deliver is an important word, isn't it? We're in a condition and we need out of that condition. Well, I'm, I'm going to go to various uh, phases of this deliverance here this morning. Uh, and we can go back as far as the, the Old Testament being used as well as the New Testament. But if we start back in the Old Testament, what was it? Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look in a concordance and look at the word deliver, deliverance, delivered, it, it, it's got to be in there. 100, maybe up to 200 times. I didn't actually count, but it's, it's just it's column after column after column. It takes up at least two pages. Deliver. Where do, we, where do we begin in all this deliverance? Well, I know one thing. Our relationship with God, our, we as human beings, we as people that God has created, and if we start all the way back to Adam and Eve, how he created Adam, and then he took the, the rib of Adam and made a woman. He made man and woman. But yet, they did something which caused sin to enter into the world where it made a debt. We were, it was made a sin debt to God. We need to be released from the sin debt. But along the way, as all this was happening, being in sin, you see, being in the Garden of Eden, there were no problems until they committed sin. And then there happened to be problems that occurred to them. Here was one problem, for example. Of course, they were cast out of the Garden. They were cast out of the Garden, but they were sinners. And out of the Garden, what was one of the first problems that happened? They had some children. One was Cain, one was Abel, two sons. One killed the other one, committed murder. First major problem. 
there happening. Besides the problem of after they sin, their bodies, the cells in their bodies began to change or to change to where they grew old. Before that, there was no aging. But now there's aging when there's sin. Well, what are we needing to be delivered from? Well, it sure would be nice if, if, if our uh, you know, forefathers from way back when, uh, being Adam and Eve, if they had not sinned, then we would not have aged and we would not have died. That wages of sin is death. What uh, the Apostle Paul told us as God gave him the message. So there's a great deliverance that's needed. And there's types and shadows of that deliverance in the Old Testament which shows us what we need to be delivered from. Remember that in the, in the prayer there. Deliver us from evil. Today, we're asking God to deliver us from evil because evil is compassed around us. Yes. You know, when I was a little boy, as I was growing up in the church, I I loved to listen to all the Old Testament patriarchal stories because in them, there was a a problem or there was a, uh, a confrontation that occurred, a situation where there was a great problem occurring to people. Well, you know, we could go back as far as Noah's concerned, and Noah, God told Noah, I want you to do something here because there's going to be something that's going to happen. The problem was men were violent. There was violence occurring, and God hated the violence, so he decided he was going to destroy the earth. But in his mercy... And in his judgment, he saw some righteous people, one in Noah. So what does he do? He gets Noah and he tells him, and Noah has these three sons with their wives and, his, and Noah's wife, and he tells him, I want you to build this ark. Now, I'm paraphrasing all this for the sake of time, not just going right to it, but I can. Anyway, he told him, I want you to build this structure. It's on dry land. Of course, the 11th chapter of Hebrews tells us about the faith of Noah. He went ahead and he did it. He was building a ship on dry land. But it was for a purpose for God's salvation. And God later on uses that in Peter, in the letter of Peter. He uses that example saying there were eight souls saved. But Noah did what God told him to do. Because in that, there was going to be a deliverance the deliverance of he and his family's lives in the destruction that God was going to bring about upon them. And of course, Noah did what he he told him to do, and God called those animals into the ark, and the ark, there was that flood that happened. All of those days, 40 days and 40 nights of flood, it wiped out the whole earth with the exception of what he had saved. In that ark. And for the, I I think the creatures that might have lived in the ocean that could live in the water. We've got to remember that. Not all of them had to go into the ark to be saved. If they were aquatic creatures, they could have been saved already from from the ocean. But there was a deliverance there 
and God did the delivering himself. But man had a small part in it in that he needed to build the boat that God told him to do, and he gave him the exact specifications for it and everything. Later on, we can see a different deliverance, can't we? Remember Joseph? He had been taken, and he, uh, a woman falsely accused him, and he got put in prison. Well, it was through the dream, dreams of a pharaoh that uh, they found out that Joseph could interpret dreams. So Pharaoh had, had him brought out of the prison. He interpreted the dream, and it was a salvation or a deliverance to the Hebrew people because there was going to be seven years of famine and they needed food to eat and God delivered them to go into Egypt and to partake of the food that would be there. But in the meanwhile, when that happened, there was something else that occurred. They wound up in slavery. See, that's a type and shadow of of us being in a slavery 400 years bondage in the land of Goshen in Egypt. But yet God was going to provide a way out for them to be saved. He called for Moses to go with his brother Aaron and to say, let my people go, which actually happened. They did, finally. And it was through a son of, uh, a stepson of Pharaoh Moses himself, who was a Jew. So I'm going to just turn over here to part of that because I want us to see how God delivers at various times. I think it's over here in, uh, in Exodus. I'm kind of paraphrasing a lot of this to, to go through for time, but there's certain... Parts of the scriptures I want to go exactly to show us. Anyway, they were there. They were as they uh, God had allowed them to escape out, but of course Pharaoh had his heart hardened, and he wound up getting his army, and they were going to go after them. And it says, uh, "It said, and when Pharaoh, this is the tenth verse of the fourteenth chapter of Exodus, tenth verse of the fourteenth chapter of Exodus." And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, now I want us to notice one thing as I'm going through this. The children of Israel were saved by God. They were, they were delivered out from, from uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. However, as they're escaping, Pharaoh changes his mind and is going after them. Can they escape Pharaoh's army? Look what happens. And listen to their attitudes. Because when, when you read this, when we're studying the Bible, we are also studying about our own persons, our own attitudes, our own thoughts, and our own mental thinking about things. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Isn't this what we told you, Moses? Uh, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. 
For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Do you think God brought them that far for them to be killed by the Egyptians then? Where is our faith? Right now, think about what's going on with us right now. Are we asking God to deliver us from this perceived evil or actually the, the evil that's actually occurring? And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. First, we're not to fear. Stand still. Don't do anything. And see the salvation of the Lord. What does that mean? That means see what God is going to do for you. Which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Well, if they went forward, they were going to go forward right into that deep sea. They haven't seen they haven't seen the result of the miracle yet, but he said, Tell them to go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In other words, Moses, your faith is gonna make you take that rod and, and send it over so that the waters are divided. And I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Because he told them, I'm going to destroy them. And all those other Egyptians that find out about it, they're going to know it was by the God of the Jews, of the Hebrews. And the angel of God, which went before the count of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them, their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that one, that one came not near the other all the night. And he stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And you know what happened after that. They went and crossed on dry ground. God dried that sea up. And here not long ago, they found the chariot wheels down in that deep ocean depth. Did he deliver them? Of course he did. But it was God that delivered. He said, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Maybe that's what we need to do even today. Because guess what? We're being challenged and faced right now with all kinds of evil. And i got to say it's evil. Antichrist doctrines. Antichrist actions. Antichrist all kinds of things. 
This was going on throughout the thousands of years before and those hundreds of years at that time. Well, what about other things that occurred? Well, I can uh, tell you about the uh, what happened with David. Here, and, and also this, we've got to remember this. God, he says he makes the weak things to confound the strong. In delivering us, sometimes he uses things that are seem weak or seem uh, unbelievably ridiculous. Here I looked, I went to 1 Samuel 17, and I had to look back and I saw this deliverance here. God used a little shepherd boy. You know, normally what you might find is in, you know, I used to, I used to read, you know, stories, you know, Ivanhoe or whatever. You know, I, I read a lot of history when I was a boy. I read, I read ancient history. I read medieval history. I read, and then I took it in school and even in college, I took his, historical courses. And a lot of times you would see where there would be a hero and the hero would be someone that would logically be someone that had trained, let's say, a soldier that was specially trained or someone that was, uh, you know, had been at war for years and they had all this experience and all this kind of thing. And you would think, well, God would take someone like that and make him be a fighter for a group of people. But in this case, God does not use that. There was a deliverance that needed to be done to the Hebrew people, but the deliverance would not be, it would be caused by God, but it wouldn't be caused by some very experienced, uh, big-bodied, uh, physical soldier. He chose a little shepherd boy. A little shepherd boy. But you know what he shows us? He shows us in that little shepherd boy he shows us that he did give him some experience in fighting. But it wasn't people he gave him experience in fighting. It was animals. Because, well, as a shepherd boy, what did he do? He guarded the flock of sheep. And in that guarding the flock of sheep, and if, and if he was a, a true uh, worthy shepherd, he guarded those sheep that he tended to. He led them to pastures. You know the 23rd Psalm. He leadeth me beside the still water, the green pasture. Well, he leads them to the green pasture, still water, but he also guards them. So here is my, put in the mind of this little boy. I will go and fight. How dare this, this giant uh, go against the people of God? I will fight him, you know. Anyway, I'm going to this part here. I'm just going to give you the exact quotes. Uh, see, David had gone. His father his father had given him food to take to his brothers. His brothers were on the front line of the Hebrew people when they were battling the Philistines. So he brought this food. And, of course, the brothers were incensed that here's, here's this little old shepherd boy brother of ours coming to us and and Eliab his eldest brother this is the 28th verse of the first Samuel 17 and Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and and uh, and he said 
Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Why did you come down here? You still got these sheep in the wilderness. And, and, and uh, I know thy pride and the haughtiness of thine, the naughtiness of thine heart, his brother tells him. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there something you've got against me? What have I done? I just brought you some food. And his brother thought he was going down there for, for some uh, you know bad reason. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. That's how Saul found out about David. And he sent for him. When, David, when, when Saul heard this, he sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. In other words, don't fear anyone. Let no man fear because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth and a man of, of war, uh, and, and he a man of war from his youth. You're just a youth and you don't have any experience fighting. And here's this man that's a warrior, this Goliath, this giant. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and a, I took a lamb out of, and he took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And he did the same thing, not just with a lion, he did it with a bear. And he said that God will deliver. You know what Saul did? Saul said, here, take all this armor I have. Take my sword. Take my shield. Take all of this. I'm paraphrasing here. You can read it here. Saul armed David with his armor. It's a helmet, helmet of brass, coat of mail, all this. And of course, it, you know, it, the Bible does describe how much armor and all this that the giant Goliath had. But David said, I, can't, I cannot use these. I've never used them. I've never proved them. And when the Philistine looked about, saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy, had sort of like a reddish complexion, youthful complexion, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. <laughs> what do you think David thought about that? Oh, here's this man's gods, he's cursing me. I've got the... The power of God, the strength of God behind me. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. And to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. So God is using him to deliver them from the Philistines. 
And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and the spear, not with what we think naturally to the natural mind. He wasn't going to save them through the sword and the spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the, fair, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to David that David hasted, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And what did he do? And it showed. He, had, he put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone, stone that he took from a brook of five smooth stones. Told about that. And he took and he slew it, and it sunk into his forehead. Did you know that was his weak part? He had a helmet. He had shackles of a, of a breastplate. He had, was covered with armor, but he had a weakness, the forehead. And the stone hit, sunk in his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed. And you know what he did? He took Goliath's own sword and cut Goliath's head off with it. Used his own sword to do that. But there was a deliverance, and he recognized the deliverance. And the people, the people of Israel, they deliver, were delivered by God. Now, this was a physical. This was a physical deliverance here, and we can see that in Daniel. The other fantastic, miraculous deliverance. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I'm just paraphrasing this one, but if you want to read through it, you can read in chapter 3, going into chapter 4, about the three Hebrew children in their deliverance. But you see, here's the thing about this. In, our, in the deliverance, we don't just look to see who was making the problem, but not just who was being delivered, but what was their attitude in the deliverance. Do you know what I believe? Well, first I'll tell you, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, this law that was made by King Nebuchadnezzar was a law to where it was going to defy the law of God. The law of God said, you shall not uh, worship any other idols. You shall not bring any other gods before God. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to do that. And if they didn't, he would kill them. And he told them, if you don't do this and bow down to this golden idol that I made, you will be put in the fiery furnace. But they wouldn't do it. And what did they say? Here was their attitude. Misha, Shadrach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He's able to. They didn't know for sure whether he would or not. And you know what? This taught me one thing. Someone may come to me and say, you know, you're a minister. You should be able to tell me if God will deliver us out of this situation. You know what I have to tell people? I have to tell people that I have faith God will, but I cannot tell you that he will. And if I told you directly that I know he will do this specifically, 
I would make myself as a God knowing what God will actually do. I don't. They didn't. And they said, here, we serve uh, whom God, uh, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know what's happening right now? There's all kinds of things happening to where we're being challenged as Christians about whether we're going to do something or not that's against the, our beliefs in God or, 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 or the doctrine of God. We're being challenged with that. So we can say, well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to, like, I have, my, I, I have a belief that all life is sacred, so I don't believe in abortion. But if someone tells me, well, you know what, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to do paperwork in order to do, uh, make sure this person has a, uh, has abortion, you know, some kind of paperwork. I can't do it. I'll have to quit. I cannot do that because it's against what I believe. And that's what happened with Meshach Shadrach. So they didn't do it. They didn't. Worshiped the idol, and they got thrown in the fiery furnace. And what did God do? He delivered them. This actually happened. These people went in a fiery furnace that was stoked seven times more hot than it, than it was, and they did not burn up. God delivered them, set them out of the fire. Another physical deliverance. But the deliverance that we are looking at is we are looking at a uh, also this deliverance of Jesus Christ in our life. He delivered us from the greatest delivery. You see, you know what we were destined for? You see, these things that I read you before dealt with the actual physical lives in this natural life, in this world. What was happening to these people? It was dealing with their natural lives. But what I, I'm going into here is, is, is our, our eternal life. Life with God forever. Being with God forever. And when he delivered us on that cross, you see, when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died on that cross and he shed his blood on that cross, that was the substance God accepted to redeem us to redeem us back to God. In other words, Jesus paid the sin debt to preach uh, deliverance unto the captives. He delivered us from eternal death. You see, it didn't, didn't have to do with the natural death, like what happened to those, all these other old patriarchs. It had to do with a, a, a spiritual death. It had to do with the death that was destined for us if Jesus Christ did not save us on that cross. It was an eternal death. That's what we needed to be delivered from. Well, we want to be delivered from evil in this world, in this life. See, we, we believe in two salvations. There's a time salvation, there's an eternal salvation. Well, God took care of the eternal salvation. Well, what about a time salvation? Well, it's all these things that's happening to us in this world. We've got this far-left progressive movement going on where 
uh, all kinds of evil is occurring. It's against Christianity. It's antichrist. Well, we've got to be delivered from that. But aren't you thankful? The one thing we I have been totally 100% delivered is our we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We are not going to face the eternal death. Because the Bible tells us in Revelations, it says that uh, will, those that aren't his will be taken uh, from hell and be cast into the lake of fire. Of course, that's also here in Matthew uh, about the lake of fire. But it won't happen to all those that he paid the de- sin death for. To preach deliverance to the captives. That's what you're hearing this morning. You're, the preaching of the gospel of the of being set free of the sin debt. The sin debt, and the Bible tells us that it was cat that sin debt the sin our sins were cast as far as the east is from the west. Our sin debt was yes, we were we were captives in that respect. But he set us free. Jesus set us free. Let's see. Uh, let me go over here to Peter 2. I would like... Uh, Two Peter two, yeah eight. Okay, uh, look what he says here. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah here in that second chapter. This is Peter, and he says, and he and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example, an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And every once in a while, I'm hearing from people from time to time now in this age about how things are turning like a Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, and, and it said, God and delivered just Lot, who was vexed, he was troubled with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the God, the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. So God is telling us there is evil. There are those that are out there that are proponents of evil, but God will take care of them. That's in this life. But in the life that is to come for us, when we pass away and our spirit that goes on to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and more to glory, that is eternal life given to us and nothing should take that away from us. We have been delivered to have this eternal life. 
and we will be delivered in this life in one way or another, especially as evil, that corrupt evil that we're being faced with today. Uh, God is telling us, stand, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's given us this message. Do we heed it? What are we doing? I know one thing right now, of course, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing what's happening to us in our nation. We're seeing all the anti-Christian uh, principles that are being hurled at us. But then what, what should we do? Well, one, we've got to go to God and ask him to save us in this untoward generation. Save us. Deliver us. Deliver us in this life. We know that we've, we've got delivered in, for our eternal life, for our eternal salvation. Jesus Christ did that 100%. But for our, our, for our time salvation in this life, there are things. He says, walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. Well, what is that vocation? Whatever God has a purpose for you in this life. Deliverance. To be delivered. He said, he told us, he said, that our, the evil that we're being challenged with, he said he would deliver us. We need to do that in this life. Strive to put our faith in God that he'll get us through all of this. And I, and I know this by reading and studying this Bible and knowing what's in this Bible. Every word in this Bible is true. Everything that God did to, to deliver his people, he shows the example in here. But the main one is the salvation of Jesus Christ in our life, how he delivered us on that cross of Calvary. We can't, we, we've got to go that. We've got to recognize that. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer.